welcome to Good Sex, Bad Sex. This is a podcast from metro.co.uk. It's a bit like a day with a tattooist, but with more pricks. Hey! Come on. Love it. Uh, I'm Miranda Kane. And my name is BB Lynch. Coming up, we're going to find out how we can find and keep our soulmates. Oh, I know. My name is Brian Jory, and I teach about relationships, do research on intimacy, and counsel couples. Brian Jory. Dr. Hello. Brian Jory. Dr. Hello. Brian. Just call me Brian. Oh, Brian. Thank you. It'll be fine. Thanks. Yes. You can call me BB Lynch. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's not my name, but it is my safe word. Okay, we'll call now. Me Ms. Lynch. No. <laughs> I'm BB Lynch. I'm oh, BB Lynch. <laughs> Sorry. We're deliberately confusing. Okay, you. so I'm already spinning in my head. Okay. I, I guess because yeah. you have flown in from, from the from Atlanta, the Georgia. Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. I came in yesterday. Yes. Just for yeah. us. Yeah, yeah just, just for, for you. us. And then going back right. tonight. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, I'm really going to Paris, which is really all about oh. love oh. And, oh, and sex. And sex. Nice, <laughs> and, Brian. Nice yes. done. Because yes. you are here to talk about love and sex with your new book, Cupid on Trial, what we learn about love when loving gets tough. Yes. What does that mean? Uh, it means that... Love is difficult for everybody. Um, sometimes we think, oh, we've got this great relationship. But it turns out not to be that way. Yeah. None of them turn out to be that way. It's really you got to work out. you got to put stuff into it. you got to look, look at yourself, take personal responsibility, sounds- learn to forgive. What? Sounds like hard work. Trust. It? Are you drunk? Put all the way of those hurts from the past and the baggage. <laughs> All that, just to love somebody. And then you got to hope they love you back. And then what what if they die? (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, we all do it. Did that get dark too quickly? (laughs) Well, you know, you're always going to lose love. Oh, I can't. Of course. I mean, love always leads to some sort of conclusion, unless you believe, you know, in some afterlife, like some religions do. But for the most part, you know, love is temporary. And I think that's why love is different than the past. In the past, people found the right person, Mm. choose the right person, and then you settle into hibernate. Mm. We can't do that anymore. Life is too long because we live longer. And um, so we have... Starter relationships, even starter marriages, and we learn from each one of them, and then we, you know, get better each time. What's a starter marriage? What would you describe a starter relationship and a starter marriage? Well, they all start out, you know, nobody gets married with the idea that we're going to split up. They just don't. I mean, that's been proven over and over again. But we do split up. You know, at least in America, we have a 40 to 50% divorce rate for Whoa. first marriages. Actually, I think ours is about the same, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, you have to look at uh, the fact that you probably will learn something from this relationship, and maybe it'll go on and on. But the thing is, the 50% that stay together, and I'm, I don't want to sound jaded. I mean, I, I think it's great that if people can find love that makes them fulfilled. Mm. But even the 50% that stay together... I mean, they're not all, you know, roses and candy and love all the time. And you would know because you're a relationship, uh, a relationship counsellor, relationship... Well, I'm a therapist. therapist. I do research on intimacy and I'm a teacher. I teach college students. So, and I've been doing that 
most of my life. Why this subject for you? Um, you know, it's an interesting question, but when I was 10 years old, we got a new neighbor next door, and out in the yard, I was talking to this guy. I'm like, what do you do? He's like, I'm a psychologist. What's that? <laughs> he told me, well, we help people with their problems. And, and I said, and you get paid for that? He's like, yeah, we get paid pretty well. 10 years old, I'm like, I want to do that. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> and I've been doing it ever That's since. So I mean, cute. I was in college till I was 29 years old. And then I was a doctor and, you know, I've gone on to work with couples. I started out working with children and because oh, <laughs> <That's laughs> you got to work with the parents and, you know, you know, you're always dealing with multiples, <sighs> parents, children and grandparents, you name it. Um, I started working with couples because um, I love couples. Um, and I love the subject of love. Mm. I mean, I, I have um, experienced love in my own life. And I had, you know, really good relationships with my parents, um, especially my mother. So, you know, I, I think she was very passionate about love. And mm. so I, I ended up doing it and I've never thought twice about it. I love every love, day. Love? When people ask me, what do you do for a living? I walk into a classroom and I talk to students about love, intimacy, sexuality, and we talk about it. I mean, sometimes my colleagues are like, Brian, do you really talk about this stuff in your classes? I'm like, yeah, we do. What kind of things? Well, we talk about orgasm and we talk about... Remind me, what's... <laughs> <laughs> talk to it someone about it later. Okay. Okay. I'll <laughs> Google it, Brian. <laughs> um, you know, how it works, how you get it. We talk about body parts, what fits, what doesn't fit where, yeah. uh, how to say yes, how to say no. We learn about body fluids, uh, oh, nuts, Jesus. bolts, the whole, I call it the plumbing. <laughs> but we also learn about the emotions that's behind it. And yeah. fortunately for me, this past couple of years has been quite a roller coaster ride because before, you know, well, before 2018, Snoozerama, you know, it's like, oh, you know, love, love, love. And then suddenly, you know, it's in the news all the time. So mm -hmm. I'm getting all kinds mm -hmm. of requests. The Me Too thing. To, yeah, yeah, that. And, yeah. and several other things, too, in America. Net, the Netflix shows, uh, you know, with uh, you. Have you seen that one? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah with me. Everybody's talking about <laughs> it. Uh, and Ted Bundy tapes. Oh. Our sociopathic killer. Yeah. And people and women are saying, wow, he's hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so you know, I'm getting a lot of requests from people like, "Why do women say he's hot?" Well, he is hot. I mean, he was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was part of his modus operandi, so to yeah. speak. You know, I mean, he's the boy next door. Every woman was like, "Oh, I'd love to take him home to mom," you yeah. know, or take him for a couple of hours even. But. Uh, <laughs> You know, it was the dark side. I yeah. love, I wish I'd been taught, well, A, anything, and B, um, the emotional side of it. Because I have had and continue to have, and maybe now I'm trying to, and I'm seeing it's unre unrealistic now, but really like now. I've just always had this soulmate thing, this real uh -huh. idea of what love would be. And it's been totally unrealistic. And it stopped me going for it. So mm -hmm. when you're saying that love has its, you know, a conclusion... That makes me not want to go for it. Well, love is a scary trip, I think. But I think a soulmate's what we all want. 
And I don't think that is unrealistic. But I think it's unrealistic to think it's easy to Okay. Be a soulmate. And you notice I say be a soulmate. Oh, yeah. Because uh, we're all looking for the soulmate to come to us, but we don't really spend enough time thinking about ourselves. Like, what are we giving out? Mm-hmm. Or even before we even get into a relationship, I try to get my students to think about, well, what do you have to offer in a relationship? And they're like, what do you mean? <laughs> I'm like, you know, what about you? Why you? Do you love what do you have to offer to someone else in love? And that's that's where my book starts on page one. It's like asking the readers, hey, be reflective about yourself as you read this book. Think about – actually, I, I give them a question, which is if you woke up tomorrow morning and you were suddenly turned into this person you say you love, would you want that proposition? Do you want to be them? What's it like to, to be, be in a relationship you. with you. Mm. And, you know, people do not think about that. Honestly, mm. they don't. They're constantly thinking about what they're getting, but they don't think about what they're giving out. And that's really what I want the reader to do as they read through my book. Does, does the book talk about um, how love and dating relationships has changed in terms of even 10 years ago? Uh, it doesn't talk about it explicitly, but it shows it. It's a story-driven book. And so the stories, you know, I guess you're talking maybe about social media, yeah, yeah. the way we meet yeah. mm-hmm. uh, for love. Um, it's all about dating apps now, and that is so different. And, you know, anybody that does you, – you do read about some people who say they swear on – you know, out online. I'm getting off the dating apps. I'm going to meet somebody, you know, over at the coffee house or at the gym or at church or some, you know, the bowling alley or something like that. Mm. That's not really realistic in 2019 because when you meet people, we don't, you don't really know where they're at in terms of wanting a relationship, whether they're gay, whether they're heterosexual. Um, when you put a, a dating app together, you put your profile it's like you're putting yourself out there. One of the things we know from studying dating profiles is people do know in the back of their mind what they want, but more than that, they know what they can get. We don't think enough about the limitations we actually have. I mean, I've done ther- I'm a therapist as well, so I've worked with people who have terrible problems in relationships. They have chronic illnesses, they have disabilities and conditions. They're too tall, too short. How do you decide that someone is worth becoming the soulmate to? What what do, how much do you have to have there well, already? First of all, I do think there has to be chemistry. Mm-hmm. I mean, the more we learn about genetics and hormones, uh, you know, we have these hormones that are released in us: PEA, dopamine. Um, that's real. So dating apps is it's only good up to a point because you can't smell the person. And I've got, you know, you hear about this all the time. You know, that you actually are very into this person online and you meet them and within the first 10 minutes, they just, it's not that they stink. Yeah, it's just the wrong thing. They just don't have the right smell for you. I've had that. Really? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, And so you've got to start with that chemistry that really kicks in. Now, as far as a soulmate goes, of course, we're all at the beginning driven by passion, lust, 
um, seeing a person and just like, oh, you know, I got to have that, yeah. you know, and, and that's the way it begins. Attraction through your eyes for both men and women. We sometimes think it's all about the looks for guys. No, no, it's about the looks for women, too. And the smells. Actually, women are better at smells than men are. There are studies that show women can actually smell attractive guys. Seriously, they take rate guys on their attractiveness, have them sleep in a shirt, and women rate the T-shirts. And sure enough, it that's, correlates. That's the focus group we should have been. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Were they paid? Did they get snacks? These yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then they get to have the guy. Oh. <laughs> I just want the shirt. I can't, I can't lie. Of course. Nice shirt. Nice so nice the, shirt. Yeah, you know, the smell's good. And, I, yeah. you know, um, I can just say as a man, too, you know, you can sort of smell the right smell. And it's pheromones. You know, our bodies are giving them off. Yeah. And um, so it's got to start with chemistry. Yeah. And then, you know, you get to meet the person. You've got to feel comfortable with their values and the way they look at the world and uh, the way they hold themselves, the way they interact. This is why so many people fall in love with someone at work. Because in a work environment, you get to see people in different situations, your coworkers. Mm. Now, I know this does not line up with what we've been reading about in the papers, mm. but... Uh, Studies show that about 60% of couples met at work. So the idea of meeting people at work doesn't line up with we're not supposed to, you know, hit on anybody at work. I think mm. it comes down to how you go about, mm. you know, meeting people at work, that yeah. you're not harassing them or yeah. pushing into their space. And also, you know, you can meet somebody and uh, break up and then you do have problems at work sometimes from it. But the truth is, you know, you see people at work and that's how you get to see how they hold themselves, carry themselves, talk, solve problems. I mean, it's a nice sort of experimental area where you can watch somebody. Um, and then after that, I mean, it's, you know, as it gets deeper and you begin to see this is a person I really feel good around and they feel good with you. Um, and where does that come from? You know, I don't really know. And that's one of the things I admit in my book. It's hmm. a gift. And it's in our it's in the fabric of our lives, and it's a gift that we have as human beings to be able to find that person. So the idea of a soulmate, I don't think, is unrealistic at all. Of course, then you, as you get more and more serious, you start thinking about, you know, is this a person that I would want to have children with, or that I would want to, you know, be together, you know, with for five days, let alone five years <laughs> mm. or even 40 years, you know. I do think there has to be a lot of pragmatism with love. And that's uh, one of the things I really, uh, we, we, <laughs> know, we, we do out. know from studies that the higher you score on these romantic scales, like believing that love is forever, believing that love can solve any problem. Love completes you and fixes yes, you. That's, yeah. like, that's where I'm at. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because I'm a Piscean. Who's <laughs> a good sign we, for Pisces? <laughs> we know we, that's actually a sign of your relationships not working out because you don't have enough practice practicality in your yeah. thinking. So you've got to combine those feelings and senses and passions with some amount of practicality. And practicality is what gets in the way in life very often. 
And speaking of practicality, because one of the things you touched on in the book is the shame factor. And yes. I quite like this because we do have quite a lot of discussions what do you mean? on the podcast, which is where we have people with different kinks and fetishes and mm-hmm. certainly like sexual needs and intimacy yes. and stuff like that. And it's being able to explain what you want from your partner. Yes. So is that something that you go into? Um, and and why shame, shame drags down intimacy? Okay. Tell us a bit more about Well, there's two ideas about this. One is put it out there right at the beginning. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. so that you're clear about what you want, what you're getting into, uh, which can work, especially with online. Because if you're going online, you can put it out there sort of semi-anonymously and yeah. see who's going for that and, you know, go fishing for what you need, whatever your kink is or whatever. And we all have them, by the way. Yeah, In fact, we? I, I would feel sorry for somebody who doesn't have some pretty passionate kinky sex i mean um whatever that is for them yeah you know and <laughs> what is it for you <laughs> <laughs> plead the fifth i'm gonna Brian, you know that's fifth. for me to know <laughs> and, and you to you find, find out, out. <laughs> and, and, you know go online you'll find out yeah. no <laughs> um so one idea is put it out there up front. Another is, you know, get to know the person because you are taking a risk with it. You're exposing your deeper side. And, you know, I personally think the greater problem is not the kinks. I believe the problem is repressing it all, holding it inside, mm. never fulfilling it. And I think that relationships can actually get in the way of that because – if you're not with the person that shares that, whatever it is, S and M. If you're if you're a dominant person, mm. and you're with somebody who doesn't want to be a submissive person, that's dominated, you got a problem there. So, I how mean, important is sex in relationships then? Sex and love. Oh, I, I think it's critical, and I think you know the the older you get, the less often you have sex. I mean, there are studies about this now that you know. Couples in their 20s, you know, have sex about over 50 times a year. So about once a week. When you get into your 40s, it drops down to about 40 times a year. And when you hit your 50s and 60s, it's down to maybe like 30 times a year. And when you do a podcast about sex, it just disappears. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, well, you know what they say, those who are doing it are just doing it. And those who aren't are talking about it. Rub it in. How important is sex? I really believe it's essential. No, I I know that. I mean, it's the sad. One of the funniest things a student ever wrote on one of my exams is the question was, you know, what are the elements of of marriage? And the answer was one one of the elements is sexual monogamy. She wrote one of the elements of marriage is sexual monotony. Which, she, then she had to define it. She wrote, one of the elements of marriage is sexual monotony, which means you can only have sex with one person at a time. Oh, yes. <laughs> I laughed so hard when I read that. I'm, I had to give her credit. I'm like, that is, that's hilarious. How many do you want at a time? You know? <laughs> you think it's critical. I but, absolutely but believe it. How many couples are not having sex? I know many. loads mm. of couples aren't. So how? What? We're actually, as worldwide... I'm not talking about Americans or British, but worldwide, we're actually having less sex than used to be. 
We talk about it more. Our shows are much more sexually explicit. But when you do studies of how often people have sex, people are having sex less so often. So why is that? Um, there are different theories about it. One of the theories is, you know, too much screen time. People yeah. are spending too much time with their face uh, in Facebook or Instagram or whatever social media they're into. But I think it could be something better than that. I think people are probably having less unwanted sex, you know, where you're just doing it. Um, I recently was involved in a pretty major article in America about um, maintenance sex. And when I first heard the term, I didn't really relate to it, maintenance sex. Um, But it's sex you just have to keep your partner happy, which is a good thing. Honestly, I mean, it's better than no sex whatsoever. But, yeah, couples don't have an – I I believe this. You know, when you get married, you have to sign a license, a marriage license. It's a license that says, well, you're not going to lie and cheat and screw around on somebody else. But what I try to tell my students is it's also a license that says you are going to have sex with this person that you're you know but that means but that's different to you have to have sex yeah no right no you're saying like well um it's a good thing that you're having sex right i just want to go back to a point where you were saying oh it's good that you're having sex yes but that's good that you're having sex not good that someone's making you feel like when you you do counseling you do you you do get into some crate people can be crazy Mm. so i recently was uh, you know interviewing a woman who was furious about her husband having an affair and yet she said, well, we haven't had sex in a long time. How long? Eight years, 10 years. I'm like, so you haven't had sex with your husband for eight to 10 years? And you, were you surprised that he had an affair? Yes. I'm yeah. like, they're Why so irrational. Why to have the sex? Well, she took that romantic view. It's like, well, I didn't love him anymore. So then, so then, why not end the marriage? Yeah. yeah, you know. Um, well, you know, kids, a mortgage, home, security. Life is very short. Yes. Yeah. So I'm yeah. very short. Well, <laughs> well, you know, it did come to an end eventually. It you did. Know? Sure, of course. I, I, I do know many couples personally. Even they don't really have much sex. They're living like roommates. And I always find that very sad because I think, like you said, life is short. Um, But I quite like that. You're still married. Like I was, um, was was it you I was talking to? I was saying to someone that um, I think marriage these days is um, not even these days, but sometimes when you are married for a long time and it does feel like your roommates. But surely there's comfort in that knowing that you're still with your best friends, that you're you're together in like sex. There's so many different ways to get sex. If you've, we talk a lot about consensual non-monogamy and polyamory. Yes, and, and I think that. That is a solution to many people's problems when they're yes. not when they're married, but they're not having sex. And I think that's something that maybe that's something we can talk a bit more openly about, and we can get more people. Well, I think it goes on a lot more than we think it does. Yeah, and I think that you know whether it's swingers or polyamorous people, um, I think it can mean one of two things. It means could mean you're solving a problem in your relationship because one wants sex more often or wants a different kind of sex or you're adding spice and variety Mm. can mean that. It can also mean this is the end of your relationship, you know, because if you don't have the friendship, 
See, I always say, you should marry your best friend. Yeah. People say, no. You know, they they categorize friends, lovers. Mm. I think that's crazy. I mean, I think your lover should be your best friend. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and we also know the more you asked about, you know, how do you find that soulmate? They're going to be somebody who's very much like yourself. Oh, God. Oh, we know, we, yeah. No, that's a, oh, just a Jesus. psychological really? proven fact. Yes. Couples who are are happier when they are more like one another. I tell people, if you really want to marry somebody you're going to love, marry yourself. Get of course you can. <laughs> yeah, no, true. No, you know, I'm not talking about egocentrism or narcissism or anything like that. But, you know, they have the same view of the world you do. Yeah. They have the same uh, needs that you have, the same values. Actually, that it does make sense, doesn't it? I mean, you... It's that, well, I guess we've always kind of thought opposites attract as well. Yes. Um, but also, you know, if you've got a specific fuck up, do you want that person to have the same fuck up? Do you, be- you recognise that? <laughs> will, it, will, it, will it equal out your fuck up? I so, don't, do you I know don't, what I mean? Yeah, but I don't want to go around to you and your future yeah. husband's yeah. house yeah. and just be hit with a yeah. stack full of stolen sugar. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> Just sort of, you know how some people collect stacks of newspapers in Vivi's house, in Mr. and Mrs. Lynch's house. I don't even take sugar. No, <laughs> see, Quick, look, she's got four packets there. Yeah. She's going to nick them. They're going to be in a handbag. Brian, I'm going to ask you something really sensible. But what wouldn't ask? it be oh. nice? Be, no, seriously, wouldn't it be nice for your fuck up mm. to have the same fuck up? I guess, but then we'll both be fucked up. Yeah. Well, what's wrong with that? Oh my god! I this mean, is brilliant. <laughs> this is like a breakthrough. I really don't see anything because I've always thought because if oh, I'm sorry, I'm cutting you off, but no. I mean, if if you've got a fuck up and yeah. you fuck up, yeah, and they don't, yeah. what are you going to do? You're going to hear about. It. Well, see, I was thinking of marrying <laughs> a therapist. What do you think? <laughs> Pardon? I was pardon. Don't pretend you didn't hear that, Brian. I was, I was, I was always thinking maybe I should marry a therapist or a hairdresser. Uh-huh. But because um, I thought a therapist could like fix me, and then I thought I would kill oh. them because yeah. they would analyze everything, and I would, and you know, anyway, exactly. Not about me. Um, what were you going to say? What were you going to ask? I quite like. Uh, there's something else that you uh, crucial questions we all need to ask ourselves every day in order to maintain a meaningful relationship. Oh, oh. so just as a little bit of a take home. Yeah. What kind of questions, what kind of things should we be asking ourselves? What kind of things can we do to maintain a meaningful relationship? So say we found our soulmate. Say that he does put up with us stealing loads of sugar. And Mm -hmm. he's possibly got diabetes by now. What (laughs) kind of things can we do we do to to maintain a meaningful relationship? Well, I think you've got to ask yourself, what kind of person are you? What are you giving off? I've already covered that. But I also think you've got to ask yourself... Uh, are you treating them like a mistake? People make mistakes. Forgiveness is a huge part of long-term intimacy, which goes back to your fuck-up thing. It's like we judge our partner for things that we do ourselves. And we've got to learn to let the past go. You know, whatever has happened, the disappointments or whatever, every day is a new day. So I think every day we have to ask ourselves, you know, how do I stay focused on the present too many couples are carrying too many grudges Mm. about the past and i think you've got to let those grudges go because they make your partner may make a mistake but it doesn't mean they are a mistake and i think that's one of our cultural problems right now we think if this person isn't 
perfect. Mm. Get rid of them. Mm-hmm. Get rid of them. You know, go move on to the next person. Of course, what you find is the next person's not perfect either. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, forgiveness is a pretty huge part of it. And I, I also think, you know, um, honesty is a huge part. Uh, now, this goes back to what you're talking about. We talked about a lot of things, the kinks. Can you really be honest with someone you love about what you want and what you need now? And are you going to allow them to be honest, your partner. Yeah. There's just too much deception in most relationships. In fact, dating relationships are among the most dishonest relationships there are. We start out, we want to put our best foot forward, but at some point, you know, what? when is putting your best foot forward being a phony and being <laughs> dishonest about who you really are? Yeah. Now, and the dating apps really help that along because, you know, you can present yourself as this perfect, profile of a person and all that and maybe even using your perfect angle shots and all this stuff um but honesty is so essential and it is so so hard i i like to be honest to people but i don't i don't need to hear the honest stuff about me (laughs) (laughs) and if they and if they know me well enough if the soulmate knows he knows not to do that yeah well you know something it's about being honest with yourself about yourself so, I, yeah, we do have a lot of judgment of our partner, being honest with our partner. But it's not really honesty because what it is is it's judgment. And when you are judging your partner, you're saying a lot more about yourself, you know, and your expectations. This goes back to what you said about how do you maintain it. I mean, we have to ask ourselves every day, how much of our problems are my expectations if you've got to let your expectations go and let this person be free to be who they are, mm. when you put expectations on, you're putting them in a cage or putting a tying so them up a little brilliant. bit. When know? do you say no though? When do you, when are they not the right person to even try to be a soulmate to? Well, I think when you just feel bad about yourself. I, I'm a big believer in loving yourself. And loving yourself means you know who you are. And I like to put it this way. Loving yourself means you know you were born for a reason. You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. You have meaning and purpose. You're, li- you're making your life count. When that person's taking that away from you, that's who you are. That's who we all are. It's like what are our, what are our passions and our goals and why are we here? When that person's taking it away from you and whether it's grabbing it and, you know, uh, you know, sleeping with your sister and throwing it in your face or whatever, oh my God, or Ron, whether they're just not that example, day by that day <laughs> bleeding you, you know, seeping off your energy with mm. negativity, with these toxic statements, trying to put ideas in your head about who you are. Mm. You know, you can't ever let yourself go. I think anybody who lets themselves go for a relationship, and many people do this, that's not a good thing. We're not talking about like putting on a couple of extra pounds here. No, Just no, 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 about, no. Like, yeah. Being, yeah, yeah, suppressing yourself. Yeah. I'm talking about yeah. Yeah. yeah, when you give yourself over <laughs> completely to another person and let them mind fuck you. Yeah. If you found yourself, do you think you've learned? 
a few more things about keeping one. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I, what I always, what I thought was really interesting, when Brian was saying about you kind of find you, and I always actually, when I was a kid, kind of thought I kind of want the male me, mm. but was like because I, you know, I know I'm straddling bonkers, and I kind of like that. But then I was like, no, you have to be fixed yourself before you find someone, because I don't want someone to complete me. Yeah. I, I am aware I'm sounding like a friend script, <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what I mean. And now what Brian, I like what Brian was saying, which is. You can both be fucked up. Yeah. I kind of like that because we kind of are. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to not be fucked up. And you know, no one's perfect. No, no one's like the absolute... I mean, what even is unfucked up anyway? I don't know, but I did, it upset me a bit when Brian said that um, love has a conclusion. Mm. Oh, oh. I'm too honestly too delicate for this world. <laughs> You're too delicate for this podcast. <laughs> totally too, too, too educated for this <laughs> My name is Professor Bibi Lynch. <laughs> and I'm the scum that is Miranda Kane. Good Sex, Bad Sex was produced by Sam Bonham for Metro.co.uk. Not that you'd know it. Get in touch with us on Twitter at Good Sex, Bad Sex. With three, three X's. Three X's, because someone thinks he's funny. Um, and also, if you've got any sexy question, what is a sexy question? Um, Bra size? Yeah. Okay, sure. Send nudes. Uh, send yeah. nudes um, and cake. Um, get in touch. Info at sexpod.co.uk. I wish we had a fax. <laughs> still <laughs> think, still think faxing's magic. <laughs> oh, well, I'm going to see you next week. BB will see you in 1983. <laughs> God bless. 